Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. All right, friends, we have uh, our God Squad here. We have Beatrice Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life, Jennifer Bishop. We also have Cindy Marsh. Uh, okay, it's not good news, but Harvey Weinstein and this whole fiasco with him. The good news is it started a conversation, hashtag Me Too, because a lot of women have been adversely affected by sexual harassment and even worse. And so, Beatrice, I know in the military you had some bad experience. So what do you think about all this? These women are hurting and they need help. And I don't think that the, the news is really giving them the help that they need other than to let them know that, hey, Harvey Weinstein got busted. You know, and Bill you guys, Cosby you know, as got bad, busted. As bad as Harvey's situation is, I think it's equally as bad that it became the running joke or inside information in Hollywood that people knew it was happening and just kind of laid low about it. No, and we have to speak up yes, and do. and not be afraid that we're going to lose a job or lose a position. We, you, yeah. we are. Yeah. I mean, who Why? hasn't? Okay, let's My be first job. Who hasn't stayed quiet about something that was inappropriate? Cause you, and, and I'll be honest with you, the, the time I did raise my hand about something that was inappropriate, my contract wasn't renewed. Right. You were called down. And, and so that's who, where they have you. Have you got, okay, you Absolutely. know the Me Too. Right now everybody's saying Me Too. Yep. Have you guys experienced something that you think would be deemed as sexual assault in you know, professional and at all? Cindy, oh, absolutely. You? Absolutely. Oh, of course. Absolutely. And, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Especially absolutely. in the military. Okay, so especially in the military. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, I'm hearing that men are also assaulted and that doesn't yes, come are. up in the military. No, okay. it doesn't because so it's a man. Thing. All four of us, and we're regular women, you know, moms and business women and grandmothers in your case, Beatrice, mm -hmm. and so uh, step-grandmother, Cindy. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, okay, so I would say that the majority of women would be my guests have experienced something that would be deemed sexual assault. Absolutely. Cindy, did you just kind of keep your mouth shut? Like maybe you said something to him, but did you report it <laughs> you in know, any way? You know, I can see both sides of the coin. I have two brains in one sense because I've lived in the world where you're an attractive female and you're trying to make it work in your world, whatever that looks like, mm -hmm. and you're doing your best. And in, in the midst of you, of going forward, you have many obstacles, one being men in positions uh, that are around you okay. and that come at you at a, from a sexual connotation, okay. and you're just trying to go even keel. Yeah. So, yes, I've kept my mouth closed, but I've also uh, just learned ways to protect myself mm -hmm. and not put myself yeah. in those situations yeah, me and go too. around it. And I, I hate to say, it would be, oh, it doesn't matter how the person's dressed, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying you deserve it if you dress a certain way. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I know how to not get attention. Now, granted, part of that is just getting older. But when I was in my 20s, I knew I could dress a certain way and get a lot of attention or another way and not get nearly as much attention. I'm not saying I deserved it either way. Of course I didn't. However, we have a lot more power to avoid situations situations to not be alone with married men i'm not saying that if it accidentally happens it's our fault i'm not saying that because boy maya bialik she sure did get ripped to shreds when she said look i haven't gotten plastic surgery i don't diet i've been able to avoid men like harvey weinstein because i won't play the hollywood game and they're like oh, how dare you maya you're saying they deserve that no she's not no. she's no, talking no, about her no, no, experience no. Yeah. Yeah. and okay, the harvey, so and the harvey weinstein thing has definitely brought 
to the light mm -hmm. this issue, and I consider that positive. I do too. Um, too. Even Woody Allen, who is, is known for a similar mm -hmm. sort of uh, set of behavior in Hollywood, yes. has made some comments and is kind of running scared. So it's kind you of know given who wrote a wake-up call. His son, Ronan Farrow, <laughs> is allegedly his son, although Ronan looks exactly like... Uh, um, uh, who does he, he looks at Frank Sinatra, but oh, oh no, 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 uh, that had nothing to do with his mom's affair with Frank Sinatra. It's Woody <laughs> Allen's son. You Google Frank Sinatra and Ronan, Far Ronan Farrow and Woody Allen. Ronan is allegedly Woody's son. They're estranged because Ronan believes his sister who made allegations against their father, Woody Allen, Woody who married his was it adoptive daughter or yes, his wife's right. daughter? Anyway, Ugh. Woody said he felt sorry for Harvey with the, and the victims, and then he kind of stepped back for the... Uh, and he said he hopes this doesn't end up in a witch hunt. In other words, like other people called out or wrongly accused because he's always alleged that he was wrong, wrongly accused. But I do agree with you guys at starting a conversation. But I, mm -hmm. I want to play the audio from the young woman that said that Har she's an Italian model, I believe. She said that Harvey had grabbed her inappropriately the day before. She asked the police to press charges. They said, please wear a wire, and if he touches you again, we'll come right in and uh, rescue you. It, there's, there are actually worse parts to the audio than we're going to play. We're going to play just over 30 seconds, but I want you to listen for a couple of things. The power and manipulation and his absolute irritation that she won't play his game. Like, can't believe. He says things like, I'm used to that. He even says later on something that may not be in the hair about him, about being famous. In other words, like, mm -hmm. I'm a famous guy. You know, you know, I'm used to that. You know, in and, other words, and, grabbing And the part we don't have, he also says, come in and do this, otherwise you'll never see me again. It's like a right. threat that yes. I'm going to ruin your career or whatever. Yes, right. exactly. Here we go. I'm telling you right now. What do we have to do here? Nothing. I'm going to take a shower. You sit there and have a drink. Water. Don't drink. Uh, can I stay on the bar? No. You must come here now. No. Please. No, I don't want to. I'm not doing anything with you. I promise. I you're embarrassing me. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't come here. No, yesterday was a kind of aggressive for me. I, I need to know a person to I be touched. I won't do a thing. I don't want Thing, please, I swear I won't. Just sit with me. Don't embarrass me in the hotel. I'm here all the time. I'm feeling very uncomfortable right please now. Please come in now and one minute. And if you want to leave, when the guy comes with my Why jacket, you can go. you touch my wrist? Please, I'm sorry. Just come on. I'm used to that. Are you used please. to that? Yes, come in. So there was more wow. to it, but listen to that. And like you said, there was, um, if you don't come in, basically, you'll never see, you know, you'll never see me again. And he's th making threats that I, I'm famous, he says in there. He shows he's powerful, and he's really persistent. I mean, this isn't a guy that just, like, gives up easily. It gives me a sick, a sick feeling in my stomach when I hear it. I've heard it a couple times. I don't like listening to it. But I think it's a way bigger problem than than they're saying. And I think that it's not just women. It's not just really pretty famous women. It's like everybody nope. across the board. I remember, I mean, Roman Polanski, you know, he gets convicted, runs and to a different... Standing ovation. And then he gets an Academy Award after that. And I, like, these I don't people in that Hollywood have the audacity to think they're our moral compass and to lecture yeah. to us about politics and how we should be living our lives. Well, the problem is this kind of culture mm. is upstream from politics. I mean, you think about it. Mm. I mean, who, you know, everyone knows who Shirley Temple is, but who was the Secretary of State in 1941 or whatever? Nobody knows it just because culture is upstream right. to, from politics and is completely... Uh, you know, affected by it. And that's why all these people think they're so important.
Wow. And I just think I just I hate this whole culture, and you know, especially the boys and stuff. I mean, Corey Feldman has talked about it. Yes, Brian Singer. Well, and, remember, the... and you remember Corey Feldman tried to call everybody out. I've seen yep. that a lot lately, and yep. he really was kind of um, not condemned, but uh, people looked at him disdainfully, kind of that he How had dare the nerve you? to call out. Or are you saying? Remember when Barbara Walters said, "Are you saying they're pedophiles? Are you yes. saying it was pedophilia?" He's like straight up, yes. Yes, he said yes. I just watched that. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm sure he was a victim of it. I mean, he, he was a child of star. Yeah. I, I believe he And look at it. He's, he's kind of wacky now. Like he has yeah, some repressed stuff. He might be a little bit different, but he's not stupid. No, I mean, no. If you watch the clip of him explaining what happens to boys and women, specifically he was talking about child actors. Yes. He's no dummy. No, no, no. no. Not at all. I believe him. I just remember it happened with Brian Singer. He was connect he's a famous director. He did X Men. He was connected with this whole place where all these up and coming actors, young boys, basically get trotted around like little houseboys. Oh, that's mm -hmm. right. And he got busted connection with this. And then his movie comes out two weeks later and nothing happens to him. I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it seems weird how they're all part of this weird protected class where they're allowed to get away with this well, really gross stuff. Well, on so many levels, we still live in a very patri uh, a ma uh, levels dominated in, society, well, patriarchal, patriarchal society. Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, with that said, uh, it's nice that we're getting a little bit of light shed on this level of uh, patriarchal society in our, just in our, it's, it's throughout the world, but it is in our culture. And uh, hopefully we will respond back. Well, and that's um, what are we going to do with this, right? Well, I think what we're doing is women are posting that they've they've experienced this. I think people are shocked at how many women have experienced this. I think it's the majority of women. I remember when I worked at NBC, it was a union, and I used to bring this guy his scripts when I first started there. And every day he'd want a hug, and when he hugged me, he'd press his body all Ugh. over mine in the front. And that uh, after like one time, I I knew what the story was, so I'd keep my arms crossed with the scripts, but then he'd still hug me but I had my arms crossed in front of me mm -hmm. and then I just handed them to him after a couple of weeks from a distance yeah but you know you're brand new and you're bringing this guy and there's a union involved and blah 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 I had an anchor man invite a bunch of us out and then um, his boat was parked right next to the bar in Marina Del Rey the club I was the only one that showed and he invited me like out to have something to eat or whatever and I thought oh well you know I'm like 21 years old I'm sure he's not gonna pull anything he's like close to 50 and so then he puts on that mo that unforgiving and you're like, Ugh. what do you want? And I'm like, wow, this is I'm really out. uncomfortable. So again, I got up and left there as well once he tried to like grab me, you know. My but that I could incident after incident after incident. Yeah. And but I am kind of uh, a forceful. I have a strong mm -hmm. personality. So I I wonder what would happen to somebody who's a lot more submissive They'd than be I taken, am. Yeah. You, yeah. My first job, my first professional job at uh, an office building i was a secretary it was a secretary position it was 18 and the gentleman it, he was an insurance guy and he was like okay first day and he's showing me around and everything and he goes and tonight we're going to be going to dinner together and i'm like uh no no we're not hmm. and he said well if you don't then you don't have a job tomorrow i said well i guess i don't have a job tomorrow and i walked out Can you imagine it to an 18 wow. year old girl yeah wow wow Wow. And that blunt, like if you don't go to dinner with me, that yeah, pulled you know, a total Harvey Weinstein on yeah, you. Yeah, I was just like, and I don't know what, but I felt, I, I think we as humans, especially women, we have intuitive 
senses, mm -hmm. and we need to listen to those intuitive senses. Oh, absolutely. That's so true. Absolutely, mm -hmm. because so it can true. keep you out of a lot of trouble, mm -hmm. even in the military. And I, I remember, mm -hmm. distinctly remember, being dressed, and this was in fatigues before we went to the right, BDUs. Not, not the sexiest mm -hmm. of outfits. Uh, exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Our, our, our glasses were called RPGs, rape prevention glasses. <laughs> That's what we called <laughs> them because they were, the they were ugly. Yeah. 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 They still but are. I remember I had to, um, I was tasked with driving a general that was visiting um, Fort, wherever I was. And I had to take him to this place at in the evening. And keep in mind, a general. A general. I mean, this, we're talking the military yes. where you are taught to do what they say, yes. respect them. So we're talking no a questions. whole another level of That's power. Right. No questions That's right. asked. And he, he was a one-star general. And a uh, very handsome gentleman, I, I'll admit, and I really liked him. But one night I had to take him someplace. It was in the evening. His wife wasn't with him. And he started coming on to me. And I backed up. I backed up real quick because it scared me. Yeah, I'll bet it mm. did. You know, mm -hmm. because yeah. this man, because he could, he yeah, he could, he could do things with my career. Absolutely. Right. You no, know, good and bad. Right. right. And not, and really not right. have to say why he's hurting your career, That's saying right. you were disrespectful. That's His right. word against yeah. yours. I he mean, said, talk about said. being in a powerless position. Yes. No wonder the military is known for these Absolutely. situations where women and men are taken advantage of by superiors. There was just a, there was an article I read three uh, higher, uh, high ranking mucky mucks in the military mm -hmm. demoted or kicked out uh, due to inappropriate behavior. And the yes. specific one I was reading about was a man who, um, was coming on to his subordinate's wife. Yes, um. yes. And see, in that situation right there, <laughs> believe it or not, he will talk to the subordinate and say, well, you know, if you let your wife do this, then these Something things can happen, happen for you. Believable. Okay, and those that really happens. Oh, yes. But, and not only in the higher ranks. When I was a drill sergeant, there was a female drill sergeant who was, um, let's just say when payday came around, she had a special room in the barracks for the male soldiers to come and see her. What? Wow. Oh, yes. A drill sergeant? A drill sergeant. Take oh advantage goodness. of the guys. Oh, yes. And, and she Cindy, made big uh, money. Cindy, poor Cindy. She's like, what on <laughs> earth? Oh, yes. Um. She made big money. And, and that's, why, that's why I was the way I was. Because I tell my soldiers, I do not play with you. I'm not here to be your girlfriend, your wife, or anything like that. I'm here to train your behind. And that's exactly what you're going to get. This sister set up a, a room in the barracks. And she made big money. Mm. Wow. And then told the soldiers they better not tell anybody. Right. Wow. You oh, know, yeah. and it's interesting, too, because you see some of these guys, this particular guy that got in trouble, Major General Joseph P. Harrington, mm -hmm. uh, a very attractive man, high ranking in the military. And then you wonder to yourself, uh, Candace Bushnell, who was the writer of the uh, show Sex and the City, mm. uh, you know, big, you know, what, 10 years ago or so. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she said she had a girlfriend who was so flattered that Harvey Weinstein would knock on her door at 2 o'clock in the morning. And he would give her money to, like, start uh, to write a script. Mm -hmm. He told her how smart she was. And she said, my friend was so flattered that this particular <clears throat> man, Harvey Weinstein, found her smart. She was very attractive, and she knew that. But the fact that he kept telling her how smart she was, she said there were so many women who were willing to be with him. And I look at this general, and I think the same thing, that he is a very attractive, high-ranking man. He probably has somewhat of a personality of some sort to get to that high rank in the military. And so why on earth are they sexually assaulting women? What is it psychologically 
that um, makes them want to have the unattainable or to take advantage of women. Here's another guy in the article, Armor, Ar- Army Major General David Hout was disciplined for uh, maintaining an 11-year affair and a swinger lifestyle. Lieutenant General Ron Lewis was relieved from his post as a top assistant to Secretary of Defense Ash Carter in 2015. And it's just an article, uh, uh, Rear Admiral Bruce Loveless indicted on federal charges in a wide-ranging Navy bribery scandal. So here are these guys that they have the world at their fingertips, and they'll ruin it all over some kind of indiscretion. It's power. Exactly. It's absolutely power. Their their little power trips, and they're just taking advantage of what they can take advantage of in front of them. Absolutely. I think it's the same reason we've seen so many teachers do that. Sorry, Cindy. Absolutely. Interesting. Okay. So many teachers do too. It's kind of this weird power thing. Female teachers lately. It seems like time after time after time, you'll see these female teachers. And they're involved in something with a boy. I've seen many more examples recently of female teachers than male. Seems like there's a new one every day. If you're just joining us, we're talking overall about the Harvey Weinstein situation. And again, that doesn't sound like good news, but the good news is we're talking about it. Because on a daily basis, I'm not going to bring up all the incidents from my 20s or the fact that when I did complain about something that I felt was illegal in the workplace, that then my contract wasn't renewed. You know, it's like... That isn't something that would come up on a normal day. But this is something on social media now that so many women are writing, me too. Hashtag me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, you know, I, I think women need to know that we care for each other. Absolutely. You know, if a, a sister comes to me and says, you know, I, I was sexually molested when I was a child. I'm going to do whatever I can to help her and to listen. get past that. Yes. Well, and yesterday, uh, one of my Facebook friends he, he wrote, how can I help these women, you know, in my life? He said, I didn't even know mm-hmm. my best friend was molested because she never talked about it. So I want to support all those. So for him, seeing all these hashtag me too, mm-hmm. it was eye-opening. Yeah. He had no idea. In the, and we all have these scars, I think. And, and unless you want to keep rehashing and not healing this. So my thought process is, okay, how can we help? What can we do to help all of these Me Too's? I think just that it's being brought to the light and Mm -hmm. that we know so many of us have dealt with this. And we know that it's, it's, I don't want to say the norm, but in a lot of ways, this attitude in our male society can be the norm. I'm not all males, okay, but we definitely have males that are on power trips Mm -hmm. and they exercise their power trip in that direction. So with that said, it just helps me, at least as someone that has gone through this, to know that I'm not alone and I'm not the odd duck out. And that you didn't do anything to deserve it. And that, yes, and you know, where I once held it in and I felt like such a victim Mm -hmm. and I better keep my mouth closed because, just because. (laughs) Well, and as we bring this to light, I think maybe more males will hold other males accountable. And I think it's a great time to have conversations. Now, I know the kind of mom that you are, Jen, so I'm sure you've had these conversations, but my son's just in sixth grade, so I said to him, so Riley, this brings uh, something up that we have to talk about. We'd already talked about texting that's, you know, illicit uh, sexting. And I said, if you ever get a picture, you let me know right away. You don't forward it. And he knows from you, Jen, mm-hmm. that you had a relative years ago that forwarded something. And it was just a 17 and 18 year old. In the, in he that was 18. His girl was 17. 17 and he and is he, a felony. He is a felon now. 
because her dad was in the police force and he is a felon and it will carry so he was 18 sex. girlfriend 17 and he forwarded it to some friends which okay, so he with that shouldn't said, have but right he, we're right but he we're, didn't he was 18 and so with riley he knows about that we've talked about that mm-hmm. and then i talked to him now i said now if your friends think it's funny and they want to touch any girl at school anywhere especially inappropriately mm-hmm. that do not get involved in that go tell someone right away come tell me text me mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. get out of that situation right away and like let your friends know you can't touch girls they might That's think right. it's funny I mean, he was just at a birthday party where the boy put um and this he didn't touch anyone but he put uh balloons in his rear end and then up top so he looked like dolly parton and he ran around the party and everybody thought it was hilarious so that's like a sixth grade version of like funny right mm-hmm. but then it goes one step further and you know grab Susie or right. touch Susie here or whatever and so I think it, it just let's get some conversations going with Amen. the boys Amen. in our lives the grandsons the sons the nephews yeah. etc and, and the girls yeah Amen. Point. Amen. that you have a voice that you're allowed to tell someone that not that, that I don't want the job if I have to go to dinner for, with you right you know and right. how sad for these single moms they're the ones oh. I really have a heart for that are manipulated because somebody knows they need that they job need that to money. their kids all right, Beatrice, your website. DrillSergeantOfLife.com. Jen, yours. LivingYourPotential.com. And Cindy's coming soon. All right, we'll be right back. The good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. It's Angie. Hey, would you like to donate items? You know, maybe some old sporting equipment, old furniture, old clothing. You'd like the tax write-off. You'd like to help others, but it's kind of a hassle to gather it all up and drop it off, and you're just too busy. Well, guess what? Ark Thrift Stores, they will come right to you, to your house, pick up your items, and leave you your tax write-off donation form. How do you do that? Call 303-238-JANE, 238-5263. And again, all of these items that you donate, they help people right in our own community. They help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And what better thing to do with your items that you no longer need than to help others? I shop at Ark all the time. I get my kids sporting equipment, gotten a rocking chair. I've gotten boots there. I have a purse that's amazing that still had the tags on it. It's a coach bag and I got it at ARC. I shop there and I help others and I donate my items about once every month or two and I call 303-238-JANE and they come right to my house with a truck and they pick everything up. Here, check it out. Again, 303-238-JANE. Hello, hello, hello. This is producer Dave. Angie, let me sit in the driver's seat today. She's a little under the weather, so please send your prayers and your thoughts. Hopefully she'll be feeling better soon and she'll be back in action. Um, But I made this, I scheduled this interview with this very impressive author, Toni Erickson. She's written a new book called Keeping Romance Alive After Children Alive. Keeping Romance Alive After Children Arrive. And that's a very important topic for a lot of us. We tend to kind of focus more on the kids. We tend to forget about each other and, and each other's needs in a, in a marriage. And then suddenly when the kids grow up, then you're empty nesters and you don't know what to do because you haven't spent any time together for so long. So that doesn't happen to everybody, but it is an important topic. And uh, Tony's here and we're going to be talking about where her book came from, where the idea came from, and why this is so important to you. He- Hello, how are you today? Oh, fine, David. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry Angie isn't here, but Yeah, that's, that's okay. okay. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I'll tell her you said hi, so hopefully she'll Thank hear this you. too. Um, 
So let's just tell us tell us a little bit of background of you, of you, where you got this idea. You know, why is it that anyone should listen to you? Well, great. I was uh, married for 15 years and had four wonderful children. And when they were five, seven, ten, and thirteen, my husband said that he wanted to. He was more attracted to the person across the street, and so we ended up divorced. I was very unhappy, and it was a sad time for the kids. But I grew a lot in those years and went back to graduate school, got my master's in social work. And I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years, more than that, and a custody evaluator, a mediator, and uh, also taught divorce classes. So I'm, I'm very familiar with what divorce is like. And I guess the main thrust of my desire to do this book is to help prevent divorce because after, as you said, you practically said my whole thing, <laughs> that when when you have a child and when you have a new baby, it takes a lot of energy and stress between the couples and sometimes they drift apart. And I saw so many of that, uh, so much of that in my therapy practice that, you know, people didn't even recognize it until years later that that's where the trouble started. It's almost too late at that time sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes. Which is unfortunate. We, we, we talk a lot about avoiding divorce. Uh, yes. We have, we've had over the years, we've had several different counselors and marriage counselors. Um, uh, Robbie uh, Yopes, and she, she always would make sure everyone, when they came to her, no divorce for at least a year, like close that hatch. <laughs> um, we have a, a couple of other counselors, Leslie and Doug Gustafson. They are amazing. They focus a lot on this intimacy issue, which is not the most comfortable issue to talk about. However, it is very, very important to us that it, it can help prevent something like drifting eyes, drifting hearts, stuff like that, right? Absolutely, absolutely. The interesting thing I found in my research is that over 67% of married couples consider divorce within the first three years after their baby is born. And that's amazing. It's just that's it's a, overwhelming. That's a huge number. That's surprising. It is. And then 40% of couples with kids do divorce. So that's that's amazing, too. I didn't know those statistics were so high. So another good reason for helping people in that that uh, time of life. Sure, sure. And then, I mean, communication is just so key. And I've, speaking from personal experience, I have a two and a four-year-old. Oh, they're and so cute. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> they're amazing. Um, I, I talk about them often on the show here. And, yeah. and I mean, they are the light of my life. Absolutely. However, they wouldn't even be anything if it weren't for the love that I had for my wife in the Absolutely. first place. And my wife and I talk about that often and we have to focus on it. And sometimes it's like a chore just because you don't want to have to deal with it. However, it is important. And I guess we don't really realize how many people don't do this. That's true. You know, a lot of moms get so wrapped up in their children that they sort of ignore dads. And dads are so important. I'm so glad that you have a good relationship with yours and also with your wife because it, it's overwhelming in the beginning. You know, when you first have a baby, you're so tired and, and there's so much to do. And the, the child wakes up and maybe has colic. Um, some kids are really good, but most of the time you don't get a lot of sleep. Dad still has to go to work, and you know, it's just a problem. And then mom's hormones go wacko, 
absolutely wacko, both before the baby comes and for a while after. And then if those romantic uh, intimacy needs aren't met then and, and they're not paying attention to one another, then they just start to drift apart. And that can continue because then dads say, oh, well, I'm not important, so why bother? And, you know, they just go their separate ways. And they can live together and be okay, but it's not, it's not a really good relationship. So um, in the book, you talk about all these things, obviously, mm -hmm. and um, I know that you probably talk about solutions to these. A, a lot of solutions. Could you give us some examples of ways that you can overcome um, the challenges of the changing hormones, the challenges of the demands of the baby, the challenges of just pretty much everyday marriage? <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, when the baby first comes, I think one of the things that I do in the book is to explain what to expect. There are a lot of books written about pregnancy and and how to take care of the baby and what to do and that sort of thing, but there are very few about how to nurture the relationship. And so that's what the whole book is about, is explaining what is likely to happen and then solutions. So there's con uh, communication skills, there's uh, finding one another's needs, like the Five love languages, I've expanded that a little bit, but you know, what are those special needs that, that your partner needs and wants? And if you provide those, then your partner's gonna be happier. And, um, and I talk a lot about moms who are disinterested in the um, physical aspect of marriage and that they need to, they need to buck up, not out of obligation, <laughs> really, but out of love. And if that love is there and it's there's commitment, then there are so many things that you can do. Sure, so. sure. And I know that for men versus women, just biologically, there's different needs oh, yeah, there, so physical different. to me. And, and they come from different places, you know, emotional places, different right. physical places, different, mm -hmm. um, you know, thought processes and stuff like yeah. that. And, you know, I know for a lot of women it's almost easy for them to just forget about that side right. uh, i mean not that it's not like that for men too but it just seems like more on one side than the other Definitely. so sometimes it is kind of a sacrifice going through and just kind of going through those motions just to keep that stuff all uh you know intimate and close and make sure that you're still paying attention to each other right yes but if if there's that deep love there then you start not doing it out of obligation but just because you care about that person and you want to meet each other's needs i mean it isn't all about sex um well intimacy, intimacy is not necessarily so much just sex, more yeah. than that absolutely yeah. and and uh you know so is romance <laughs> sure sure and just being there together and talking and right one of my favorite times is uh, at night when it's finally quiet we just kind of lay and kind of giggle and talk about in bed right. sometimes it's about nothing sometimes it's about bills sometimes it's about important issues i don't know some is i think it's really important well i love that uh, so many people don't talk together really they don't they they just go their separate ways maybe they have five minutes where they really communicate that's why i say dating is not an option <laughs> you really need to spend that one-on-one -on -one time with your sweetheart and go out. I, I recommend once a week, but I mean, it can be at home. You can throw a blanket on the floor and watch a movie or listen to music or dance after the kids are in bed. You don't have to spend a lot of money on dates. Right, right. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the other things we might learn in the book. Um, perhaps some of the goals that you would hope to achieve through reading the book. 
again, it's uh, providing information to people and giving them tools and skills. Uh, the information, by that I mean uh, knowing what to expect and what's possible, some of the ups and downs. As we said, this isn't true for everybody that they're they're not happy after having a baby. For heaven's sakes, my kids have all just been joyful and their relationships have been great. But there are so many who who don't have that, and uh, so there are a lot of tools and skills. Um, can I give you one? I have one that like uh, at the scale of one to a hundred. Uh, if we have a hundred dollars of energy in a day. And a $100 expenditure might be that somebody died or somebody has a terminal illness. And a $1 problem might be that they left the socks on the floor. Well, there's that whole realm in between. And, and it's up to the couples to decide what is, you know, how much value there is. But the problem is that somebody gives $75 worth of their energy. In other words, they're upset, they're angry, they make a big deal of maybe a $1 or $5 problem. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So, you know, it just helps people to prioritize what is really important. Let's pick our battles, so to speak. Sure. I feel like somebody making a $75 problem out of a $1 problem would be there's got to be so much more involved in that than oh, just yeah. the $1 problem. Yeah. Things have built up, built up, built up. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, things can build up and escalate. And people can do the $1 problem over and over and over and over. Yeah, and yeah, and suddenly it's but, 100 times. But nevertheless, I mean, if you're spending that much time and energy on being angry, there's something. You, you, there. <laughs> There's other interventions that need to happen. Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, outside of, let's say, more than just talking, communication, you know, improving communication, but less than getting full-scale marital counseling, are there other steps that couples can take that may be experiencing this that they can take that could maybe make both parties more comfortable and both parties more apt. Let's say they're not the best communicators, but both open to communicating. Do you have any tools like that in, in the book? Well, I would say one, one person can influence a relationship a lot. Let's say that they're disparate, they're, they're distanced. And I've had this happen so many times, not only in my own life, but with clients. And I just tell them, you know, start being kinder, start validating your husband or wife, whichever it might be. Start um, giving some of the things that are important to that person and watch what happens. This is a theory out of brief therapy, but it, it really does work. One person can do a lot because if they change their attitudes and their behaviors, the other person may respond and then they'll find that they uh, begin to meet that person it's, halfway. It's so curious to me that you're saying that is uh, that's a lot of approach how I how I approach parenting yeah itself is you know sometimes you're throwing a temper tantrum sometimes you, you want to scream and say you know I want I you know. to do this but then as long as I like take a deep breath and calm a bit calm down the kids pick up on that and they you know and I guess you still keep doing that in a relationship rather than just in a parent-child relationship oh, but in a husband-wife relationship absolutely when somebody gets angry if you really think about it the child or the spouse thinks, boy, is he a banshee, you know, or she's a banshee. Yeah. And they don't look at their own behavior. So if you want a child or a spouse to take responsibility, you be kind about it. And you you approach it in a, a decent, nice way. And then they have to say, 
oh dear, I did something. But if you get grouchy and angry and yell, <laughs> nothing is solved that way. Yeah, right. People shut down. It's like, like uh, trying to rationalize something with a drunk. You just can't. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, you need, you need kind of a give and take. Um, but oh, for anyone who's just tuning in, this is producer Dave in the driver's seat for Angie Austin. This is the good news with Angie Austin and friends. And I'm here today talking with Tony Erickson, the author of Keeping Romance Alive After Children Arrive. I have a hard time saying that for some reason. <laughs> Alive and Arrive. Um, but it's all about how you can keep intimacy, not necessarily just sex, although including sex, um, how to keep intimacy alive in a relationship after the demands of children and, you know, particularly very young children after they come and they change your whole life and how to keep that alive and just tips and ways to do it and how to keep, stay happy and avoid divorce mostly, right? Absolutely. Can I just talk about romance for a minute? Absolutely. I, I just think if there's, if there's enough love and, and commitment in a relationship, then romance is just the frosting on the cake. It's those kind of colorful, unexpected, unanticipated, sweet, kind, loving things that you do for one another. You know, I can love my kids, I can love my sister, but it's not the same as as having those romantic moments. I'll give you an example. My husband and I came running out when I was going to work and the snow all over the car and he just took the white, the, the you know, the thing yeah, in, the scraper. and the scraper and scraped my window. And he had his shirt sleeves and sandals on and then he ran back in and got my gloves. I mean, just little things like that and putting a, heating pad on my feet in the winter when it's cold. You know, those little, little things, things are romantic. They really do they add really up. Are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I like to bring flowers to my wife at work. Flowers, yeah. Um, she really likes that and just little things like that. And it's funny, last time I did it, one of the girls she works with said, oh, what did you do wrong? And I said, no, nothing. I didn't. <laughs> Hopefully nothing. I don't know. You're a romantic, David. <laughs> I kind of am. <laughs> and putting notes under the bed, under the pillow, or in the suitcase, or the briefcase. Yeah, just little things like sure. that. Sure. <laughs> well, we, we only have a few more minutes, but I want to okay. talk about, this is kind of something that touches close to my heart, too. But um, it's a story from the book about a dad who's very loving, very doting, kind of doing the kind of things that we were just talking about but that the wife his wife had to kind of battle through her own self-image and that it was really poor she doesn't feel pretty even though he sees the beautiful woman that he's in love with she doesn't feel how do you overcome that and how how can you are there any ways that you can help get past that and help her feel pretty again i guess yeah it's it's when we have our stomachs bulging out or we're you know our <laughs> tops are droopy or whatever we don't feel so attractive but i think first of all that women need to take care of themselves they need to spend time nurturing themselves and doing things for themselves and then if necessary even getting some counseling for self-esteem but then uh, a, a husband or whichever way it goes can do a lot by validating and affirming that person and finding out what their special need is. Is it spending time together? Is it affection? Whatever it is, then that can build up a self-esteem a great deal. Sure. That's a great tip. Okay. Um, okay. And now uh, we only have another minute left, but let's go with where we can find the book, how we can find you for counseling purposes or anything yes. else and how, how we can, and the type of things that you really want somebody to take away from this book. 
Well, I, I just want them to take away that they can be happy, that there's hope that they can read some of these things and benefit and make a happier life for themselves and for their families because happy couples create happy families and that creates that better world. Um, again, I'm Tony Erickson, T-O-N-I dot E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N at AOL.com is my um, email tony.erickson at aol.com and the book is on amazon and it's also as a soft book and as a an ebook so, oh nice okay yeah. that's great so amazon.com keeping romance alive after children arrive by tony erickson everybody if you're struggling with this at all even if you're not i i'm it's helping me just read through it just because i mean and not that i want to brag but i feel like i have a really great relationship and i love being in the relationship that I have. And I want everyone to be able to share in those joy with me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on today, Tony. Everybody remember Tony Erickson, tony.erickson at AOL.com and, and find her book on Amazon. Thanks again, Tony. Thank you. Hey, it's Angie. All right. A great, beautiful fall getaway. The elk, the colors, parties, kids' activities, and it's reasonably priced where... YMCA, the Rockies, uh, Snow Mountain Ranch, and also the Estes Park location. Uh, they've got some fall activities going on. There's going to be a Halloween party on October 28th if you want to plan ahead. It's reasonable. Some of my kids' favorites, there is the zip lining. There is the craft shop. They love the roller skating. There is rock climbing, uh, putt-putt, uh, tennis. Uh, we spent our family reunion up there this summer, and it was mind-blowingly fun. And again, it's reasonable. That's why we go several times a year. YMCATheRockies.org. Sometimes my kids even cry when we leave because they're like, we're leaving our place. I'm like, it's our place still. We'll be back. We'll be back. YMCA of therockies.org. You won't regret it. It's great to see the elk this time of year. So cool. Hi, it's Angie with the good news. Well, we'd all like to slow down the aging process just a little, right? Does it help to live in a big city, a small town? Uh, what does the city you live in have to do with your aging? Well, here to help us is Mercedes Kerr. She's the Executive Vice President of Business Development with Well Tower Incorporated. Welcome, Mercedes. Thank you. Okay, Mercedes, what are some of the most surprising results of the uh, 2017 Aging in Cities survey? Well, one of the more surprising results that we heard was that uh, access to high-quality health care was a top priority for those that we surveyed. We knew that it was going to be an important factor when people choose where they want to age, but it was interesting for us to see that it actually ranked higher than proximity to families. Okay, so what do the results reveal about the aging population living in cities? It reveals a few things. First, people see themselves in their 80s and beyond as being very active and very uh, in participating in their communities. So they are interested, for example, in making friends. Eight out of 10 people talked about that being a very important uh, priority for them. They also talked about needing access to amenities and services so that they can be in the community. They want to have parks. They want mobility, transportation, uh, cultural, and other um, uh, options so that they can engage uh, you know, physically and socially and cognitively uh, in their cities. 
Mercedes, how about um, aging city dwellers believing that their city is the best option as they age? Why do people think that? I think a lot of people want to stay put. So why do aging city dwellers believe that their city is the best option as they age, Mercedes? Well, they ranked their cities uh, pretty high on the livability scale, if you will, when they were looking for all of these amenities that I was just describing. They also talked about really feeling quite prepared financially to be able to afford to live in those cities past their 80s. Two-thirds of the people that we surveyed talked about feeling like they, they could afford it. So they have been thinking about what it would take to live in the city. Um, they uh, also declared that they would be willing to live in a community setting, such as senior uh, housing uh, communities, which can also have an element of affordability for them. So 81% of the people we talked to told us that that's something that they would be willing to do. So tell us, why did Well Tower conduct this survey, and how will it impact your work? Well Tower is very focused in trying to develop this, the infrastructure for people to live well as we all live longer. Uh, we build, we bring real estate solutions and operating services with our senior housing uh, operating partners and other providers. And so, what we wanted to understand is. What exactly is driving people's decisions? What are they prioritizing? How do they want to live so we can have better conversations with our partners and we can also focus our own strategies, which were already centered around the very topics that they had been, that, that we found uh, in the survey answers. But how can we focus our efforts to really uh, address the needs of this aging population? All right. Very interesting information, Mercedes. Where do we go for more info if we want to find out more? You can go to agingincities.com to see the full survey. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Angie. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com.